it was all self-taught, you know, because one of the things that I think uh, is really important to remember is just that you, you don't have to know everything in the beginning. You just take things a step at a time and you can figure things out as you go. The internet has made it easier than ever to start a business. Succeeding on the internet, now that's another story. The big question is, what are those who are succeeding doing differently? This podcast has the answers. Hi, my name is Lisanne Murphy. I've spent the last three years running a successful advertising agency. I noticed with certain clients, I ran into the same problem over and over again. Their offering was just not grabbing the prospect's heart and wrestling them into purchasing submission. Why? Many of these business owners were so far down the road in their journey and so in love with their product, they forgot who they were serving, missing some essential steps along the way. So I'm pivoting focus. Join me as I go behind the scenes with the most brilliant entrepreneur minds to demystify the nitty-gritty marketing hacks needed to be successful before spending thousands on advertising that ultimately separate the internet legends from the dreamers. This bonus episode of the Marketing Matrix podcast is an interview with my good friend, Timothy Dick. He's an entrepreneur prodigy, literally, and I cannot wait for you to hear his story. Check out his journey that started with making six figures in middle school. Welcome to the Marketing Matrix podcast. I am your host, Lisanne Murphy, and I am joined today by the incredible, talented, serial entrepreneur, Timothy Dick. Timothy, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a great introduction, uh, a lot of energy, so I can tell we're going to have a, a lot of fun today. Oh, we are going to have an absolute blast. You have like no idea how much our listeners love just digging into the nitty gritty of these businesses. So for people that aren't as familiar with you, I want to take a second to introduce you and then give you a chance to tell your own story. All right. So okay. Tim has a vast background in SaaS and was one of the first executives at HostGator in its earliest days. HostGator grew to host millions of websites with hundreds of employees before Tim transitioned to focus on Envoypo. He is also an active angel investor and consults for multiple investment firms on M&A, which is mergers and acquisitions, startups, and strategy. He was born and raised in rural West Virginia and the son of a coal miner and was a first-generation entrepreneur. He is passionate about small businesses, resourcefulness, marketing, and personal development. So, and I had the opportunity to uh, get to know Tim a little bit on uh, the social media creeping that we all do on each other, right? Before, before we had to be on, the, on, this, on this podcast today. And we're both involved in PodMax Global today, which we're super excited to have the opportunity to have that connect us. Um, and guys, this bio does not even do justice uh, what Timothy's bringing to the table. So I'm excited to get into his head and pull out the genius that is there. So again, thanks so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Okay. So Timothy, going from rural West Virginia to getting into entrepreneurship, and now you've moved across the country, you live in California, and you are an entrepreneur working in the online space. That is a long bridge to cross. Give us the backstory. How did you get here? Yeah, so it's been uh, it's been an interesting journey. I mean, you know, just like anything in uh, 
business and you know entrepreneurship is uh you know so i'm uh i'm 34 now you know and if we go way back uh when i was you know 13 14 in middle school uh in rural west virginia uh you know again a very small town um not really a lot uh of jobs and things there you know a lot of great people but uh very small area rural uh one of the best jobs that uh you know most parents uh really want their kids to grow up to uh get there um is to be a coal miner because it pays pretty well there in comparison to most other options uh because of the you know dangers and hazards of it um you know my dad and my grandpa and for generations you know that was what uh kind of the you know my from a family of coal miners and uh you know my dad worked in coal mines sawmills things like that uh and just from a really young age i had a very uh i just felt different you know and i had uh a lot of people you know picked up on that and you know from a very young age i was i uh, apparently had told my uh you know, told everyone, you know, when I would see things on TV, I'm like, I'm going to be in California or New York or somewhere. And they're, they're just kind of like, okay, be realistic. You're probably not, you know, you know, no one in our family does that. You know, it's kind of the, you know, like uh, they had good intentions, but just had never seen it happen. You know, never the only, uh, you know, only even extended relatives that I have that had, uh, you know, been, really had moved away from the area where, you know, a few cousins that maybe joined the military, did some things like that, um, but no one had really been entrepreneurial. So um, I got on the internet and uh, once I got on the internet, the floodgates opened and, you know, I thought, you know, I'm gonna actually do something. And I pretty quickly realized and even back then, this was kind of, you know, like late 90s, uh, early, ending in the early 2000s. It was kind of during the dot-com, the second half of the dot-com bubble. And, you know, I got on and I started making websites and uh, doing computer repair around town. I would make flyers, put them up. I put ads in the newspaper. You know, I did all of this and um, it was all self-taught, you know, because one of the things that I think uh, is really important to remember is just that you you don't have to know everything in the beginning. You just take things a step at a time and you can figure things out as you go. So like when I started doing computer repair, I knew that I wasn't able to do everything. You know, and I was again like 13 at the time. You know, I knew quite a bit and most of the common stuff, but I always thought, you know what, if if I can't fix someone's computer, then I just won't charge them for it. I mean, you know, simple. And uh, so I, I did all that, you know, got, on, uh, got online and basically the transition from like middle school to high school was the six figure period. And that's where, you know, I, I was started making six figures by getting into web, web design, self-taught. And I'm not, today I'm not a programmer, designer or anything like that. I know enough tech to uh, speak uh, on the business side of uh, being involved with tech, but, um, you know, it was self-taught. And so I, here I was in the middle of a small town, uh, you know, making six figures in middle school. So it kind of became somewhat of a local celebrity, you know, the cover, the newspaper, uh, the high school's, uh, 
internal uh, newspaper. Actually, the April Fool's edition was uh, one about how I had bought the school. Uh, you know, so basically there, everyone was just, you know, crazy because I was basically making six figures uh, from middle school ever since, I mean, you know, since middle school. And so from making websites like that, uh, one of the biggest things that I realized is that we were in a very small rural area, but the internet opened up the possibilities to do business with people in other places. And I don't, I don't even think at the time, I doubt any of them knew that I was 13, but, or 14 or, you know, whatever it was, but, you know, I, I could get things done, you know, and that was, that was kind of, you know, a little bit of a sacrifice in a way, looking back, like, because, uh, you know, I didn't, like, after school, you know, I was on the computer working and learning, uh, weekends, things like that, you know, so, uh, in a way, I kind of skipped a lot of the typical uh, school things, but, um, you know, I wouldn't, I would have, definitely wouldn't change that, but what, what, uh, you know, happened is we're in this small area, and I started getting all these checks and money orders showing up and I, you know, PayPal had just come out at the time. And, you know, so it was like this new thing. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, I need to, I need a new bank account, you know, and like my parents were just so confused for a while. They just, they at the time did not really use the computer. Uh, they didn't really have any interest in it. And, you know, this was back like in the dial-up days, you know, uh, and I had my own phone line separate from the rest of the house, so I wouldn't have to have someone call in and interrupt my download, you know, and uh, all my parents knew was there were all these checks and money orders and lots of money coming somehow, and I was spending all this time on the computer, and beyond that, they had no idea, and so... There, were, there was some tension a few times because they're like, are you doing something illegal? What are you doing? You know, like to them, it was just kind of a foreign concept that you could connect with people on the internet and they would send you money. That's but, amazing. Uh, that is amazing. You know, I think my parents, works. my parents still feel that way about me sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, so that from there, what kind of naturally you know, I just continued to grow uh, and just figure out, you know, how how I could uh, continue to increase that. Um, and I, you know, found a natural prog progression with website design to web hosting, uh, which for anyone who doesn't know, web hosting is basically kind of like the, uh, it's kind of like the server space or the cloud that the website is stored on so that when you access it from home, through the internet, uh, it connects to that equipment, you know, to load the website. And the reason that I was drawn to web hosting is because anyone that has a website needs it to keep their website online and it's recurring. So they have to pay their bill every month. And I, uh, you know, I learned very early on, like, you know, it's nice to be able to, you know, make like five or $10,000 at once, but it really adds up when you can take, uh, you know, take a bunch of people and get a subscription from them for, you know, maybe $20 or $50 a month, but they continue to pay that each month. 
you know, just to have uh, basically space on your server. So I got into the web hosting industry, uh, had started a, you know, a small uh, website hosting company. Uh, when I graduated high school, I uh, moved to upstate New York. And uh, so, you know, I moved to New York and it was really just because I, I really wanted to get, uh, to get away from West Virginia at the time, honestly. Uh, you know, again, a lot of great people there, but, you know, I wanted to see what else was out there. Um, and basically merged my web hosting business kind of into a, a larger uh, web hosting company. And, you know, basically at 19, I was the VP of business development. Um, and, you know, everyone involved was fairly young. So, you know, but that, and then that led to uh, meeting uh, someone on a message board. You know, we didn't really do social media back then, but message boards were big. So there was an industry message board. That's where I met uh, my friend Brent. And he had, uh, at the time, just started HostGator. He was down in Florida. And uh, he, I had, I was very formal back then. It's funny to go back and look at my writing. And I'm actually way more formal and detailed and stuff then than I am now. But uh, he uh, asked me to join HostGator and help him with, you know, some of the business stuff, uh, you know, because it was starting to really take off. He had started it from his dorm room, all of that. He's three years older than me. So I would have been, I guess, 20 at the time. So this, this was in 2006. Uh, joined HostGator and uh, no idea uh, that it was going to happen. And he didn't even know, but uh, I moved down to Florida and HostGator just took off and exploded. You know, we had just a handful of people uh, and we uh, within, I, I was actually, I only lived in Florida for less than a year because we just outgrew the area and we were having issues hiring people. We were growing so fast because honestly, Florida, you know, is mostly a uh, you know, retirement destination, or we were also in Boca. So even like the teenagers are generally from very uh, wealthy families. So like they didn't want a customer service job and it was difficult to hire there. And so we moved to Houston. Uh, you know, we just picked a city that uh, had, uh, you know, a really good business climate, uh, not weather. Houston's weather's, Houston's weather, I'm sorry, but it's, it's just bad. And, uh, but, you know, for business, low taxes, real estate, cost of living was low. Uh, all of that made sense. So we went from this tiny little office, uh, it was like 1500 square feet in a strip mall with like, at the, at the very end, you know, we had like 30 people crammed in there, multiple shifts, and we were out of parking spaces. The landlord there was like, hey, you need to move. And all your people are taking up spaces. So some people had to park at the grocery store next door. You know, but uh, we we made it work, and then we went from that fifteen hundred square foot tiny space to Houston, and uh, Brent actually bought a thirty five thousand square foot building, and it had tenants on a few of the floors. It was a four story building, and so we thought, you know, we'll have the top floor, and the other floors are leased out. It paid for itself. You know, it, it was a good investment. So we moved there, and within. Uh, <clears throat> just a short uh, few weeks, um, 
we started hiring and we hired at one point, I think we were hiring over a hundred people a week. Oh my so goodness. I can't we even wrap so my head busy. around that. Yeah. We were so busy that for customer service, it was kind of like take a typing test. And if you can type fast enough, you're hired. Oh my goodness. Yeah. If you have a pulse and you can type and it's legible deal. Yeah. And so eventually, you know, once we got situated, we, uh, you know, got a little more formal with that and we would have people come in uh, for, uh, we would do like a training class and you had to graduate the class to, you know, be fully hired and all that stuff. But, you know, I focused there on, uh, you know, helping get a lot of the initial operations up. Like, you know, I hired the first uh, bookkeeper, the first uh, HR person, you know, all the administrative type roles and, you know, helped uh, establish uh, processes and, you know, just basically operations and uh, dealt with all the unique stuff. It was a very wild and crazy ride because we honestly did, you know, we didn't know everything at the time. I mean, and we, we were aware enough to know that we didn't. So we just, you know, figured it out. We weren't perfect, but, uh, you know, we went on to um, basically host millions of websites, uh, have, uh, you know, like, I mean, it fluctuated, but I think at, at the peak, I think HostGator had about 1,200 employees. So, wow. you know, and during that time, after a few years, um, you know, the founder of HostGator had said, hey, um, why don't you go start another company? And I'm, I was like, you know, it's, I don't really want to. I'm kind of, you know, like, I kind of like what we're doing here. You know, things are good. But, you know, it was his, his company. And so it was his baby. And he's like, he basically convinced me because he was very all in with that company. And, you know, we didn't have any uh, VC or outside investors or uh, the only debt that we ever had was a mortgage on the office building. I mean, so we didn't have any of this external stuff. And so he was kind of like, if something ever happens to the company, I'm kind of screwed. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So he convinced me to start another company and basically just said, Hey, I want to, I want you to start something really don't even care what it is start it. I, I want to invest in it. And I just want, you know, a minority stake in it. Interesting. Uh, and so, you know, it took a little while, but um, that's how I started the voice of IP company, you know, so he invested a million dollars, started it, built out a phone network nationwide. And at the time when we were building a, uh, a phone company, an internet phone company, uh, the iPhone didn't exist. 3G didn't exist, uh, you know, none of that. I mean, we had our uh, Motorola Razor flip phones back then. That was the trendy thing. I you remember know, wanting a Razor yeah. so bad. And the thing is, like, we felt that there was a natural progression because um, we're looking at HostGator. It's, again, a very heavily subscription-based uh, industry. Love that but knew that uh, phone service had a couple things. Number one, uh, it's much more broad because everybody needs, needs a phone. And number two, 
it uh, has a higher barrier of entry. Interesting. Okay. So, um, okay. I want, I want, but before, before you transition over to yep. um, the phone company, what, so I remember HostGator. What, what happened mm -hmm. to HostGator? Are you allowed to say? Uh, yeah, actually, because it's um, HostGator. So I had, uh, when I, I transitioned out and, you know, he continued to run, run it. Um, I was still kind of involved occasionally for, you know, like, like I would help with like M and A and things like that. So I just love M and A and uh, very detail oriented. But uh, he uh, eventually got an offer that was just too good to to refuse and was bought by a company called Endurance, Endurance International EIG. They uh, were basically a they started from an investment fund that just went out to buy hosting companies. So. They bought HostGator, they bought Bluehost, they wanted to own all of the major players that they could, and they spent $2 billion doing it. So, Wow, that is amazing. So HostGator was, uh, what I can say, I mean, it's public now, but what I can say is it was a couple hundred million dollar exit. Wow, that's amazing. That is so fun. Well, especially with you being involved in M&A, I'm sure you're just like, that's, that's juicy. That's like, that's the good stuff right there. I love it. You know, that's really what got me, not, not the final deal. Um, I wasn't as involved with that, you know, because I had kind of already transitioned and actually had moved to California because I hated Texas and your host gator remained in Texas. But, uh, you know, so I was involved a little bit, but like there were, obviously we were a fast growing company. We had a very good reputation. So people were trying to, buy, invest, uh, do all these things all the time. Like it was like a constant, like it was not uncommon to have at least every day, several emails from potential company, you know, investment funds saying, Hey, we want to invest. We want to buy a minority stake. We want to buy you out. We want to do this. We want to do that. But we were looking at the long game and Brent in particular, you know, he just said, unless I can make like just an unreasonably crazy amount of money, like, I'm good, you know, like I, I don't care to sell because we had seen so many companies that have bought uh, companies and then kind of ruined their reputation. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. but I learned a lot, you know, so I did a lot of exploring, negotiating, and uh, learned a lot about M&A during that time. That's so cool. That's so cool. All right, so um, one more question about your past, and then I want to, and then let's talk about uh, Voipo. So, um, what did a middle schooler do with six figures? Like, did your parents make you put it in a savings fund, or did you buy like um, all, all the warheads and fireballs that a middle schooler could ever want, or what? You know, I was actually very, uh, very conservative, really. Like, I wanted to save and invest, and you know, do all this stuff. And it, the only thing that we had as far as like a disagreement about really with money, uh, or I guess it was kind of not about money, but um, one of the things for whatever reason, you know, and I know the reason now, but back then it made no sense. You know, here I am like this, the, you know, like making six figures, you know, middle school and high school, my parents would not let me get my driver's license until I graduated from high school. And I know now that you know they they were afraid that it would they felt like they were losing me in a way because I was making 
at one point, you know, more money in a month than honestly they were in a year. And they didn't know what I was going to do. You know, it was kind of just this crazy thing. So they were trying to protect me really, but I always was really frustrated with that because I'm like, I want to buy a car and I can't even get my driver's license. So, uh, you know, that was the only thing, but no, I was, I was investing, I was saving and, uh, putting money back into the business. You know, I learned very early on that, um, you know, if you advertise, you know, I, I did everything from for the computer repair and web design, you know, I put classified ads, I put display ads in the newspaper. I put, you know, did online advertising. Uh, you know, I, uh, back then, uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of the same app platforms that we have today, but you know, we had, uh, some, uh, different ones back then, you know, and I just really invested the money back into the business. I had, uh, I had hired some contractors to do support while I was at school, you know, and, uh, just, you know, I was very, very, uh, frugal and, and, you know, invested the money. So. That's so awesome. That's so rad. Your like mental maturity is like blowing my mind. Like it's seriously so great. So fun. <laughs> yeah. Along those lines, I, I don't remember this, but I was told this by my parents that once uh, they have no idea where I would have even heard or thought about anything really like this. But um, apparently when I was in kindergarten, um, I threatened to sue the teacher because I wanted to know what law gave her the right to make us take a nap. And she couldn't tell me. So, <laughs> and I'm five years old at the time. This is like, where did I hear that? You know, cause that's definitely not something I heard from my parents. So I guess it was on TV or something. Oh my yeah. gosh. That is seriously the funniest. I love so, it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess from a young age, I always felt different. You know, and I always just in school, it was just always very easy for me. Yeah, and that's actually another thing that, you know, I was lucky and part of it is being from a small town and that uh, in middle school and high school, the school, the school uh, principals and administrators and teachers were very supportive. And so, you know, there were a lot of times the business teacher at the high school, uh, you know, that taught accounting and all those types of classes, Jenny Jones was. Uh, you know, I was really close with her, um, and I actually got to the point where I had like a, uh, a, a little desk and, uh, workstation set up in the back of her corner of her classroom. And so when I would finish, uh, work in other classes early and stuff, I would just kind of, it was just kind of a, an understood thing that I would just, you know, make my way out of that class and go into her room and, you know, back, go back to my workstation and just quietly work, you know? That's amazing. I and love so they it. They were very supportive and, you know, and without that and the support and flexibility, uh, that, you know, they gave me, um, you know, then I, I don't know if things would have, uh, happened as quickly as they did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it takes it, you know, I love how Josh this morning, Carrie said, um, like even if you're a solo entrepreneur like you never do it alone like it takes a community right. to to support you so i love that okay so let's talk about now like what 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 pies do you have your hands in right now yeah so now um you know i still have voipo which is the uh phone company so with it uh voipo uh that industry's matured and changed a lot you know we uh 
but we're 14 years old, um, you know, and it's a, again, you know, subscription business. So it's a recurring revenue, very steady, you know, about, we have about around a hundred thousand residential customers and believe it or not, people still use residential home phone service. You know, they order every day and uh, we do have some business services where for that company, we're really pushing more into uh, more unique uh, business services. So instead of just like a traditional phone line or a business line, uh, you know, we have like cloud phone systems where you can set up all the menus, extensions and all of that, but it's all in the cloud on our servers and you can use an IP phone, a regular phone with an adapter. It's like an old analog phone or an app, you know, to, you know, get your calls and we're pushing into uh, tying that into we have two new two new products that we're hoping to launch this year for that company. Uh, one is a, uh, a a business messaging platform because text messaging is huge, not just from like a send out messages for marketing purposes type of standpoint, but also just a general uh, conversational type service where like a live chat, you know, on a website where you talk to you know someone at the business. Basically, we're incorporating uh, that into text and building a, uh, you know, basically a platform so that you're able to have multiple people logged in on uh, on a website and be able to field those chats that are coming in through text. You know, so you can have a two-way conversation with your customers because the open rates for text messages are huge. Yeah, like 90%. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's like email back back in the day. You know, and it's like now, you know, email rates, like, I mean, if you can get like a single digit percentage, you know, that's good, you know. And also one of the other things is the speed of opening is very high. Like, you know, most people, even if they don't respond immediately, most people, when they get a text, that they look at it, you know, within a few minutes. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big thing. And uh, so we have that. And then the other thing that we're doing that ties in with some of the other cool stuff uh, is really around using uh, the network that we've built because we've built this network where we have uh, massive amounts of phone numbers and you know we do hundreds of millions of minutes so we're we have this established network we just have to build software on top of it for uh, businesses to tie into to do cool things so kind of like Twilio and some of those companies are software companies that use a phone network we have our own network that we have built over time so we can uh add some of those services so one of the ones that i'm excited about besides the uh messaging app is uh analytics and uh for marketing and in particular uh you know to be able to um do things like generate phone numbers on the fly dynamically so like on your website, maybe you, uh, instead of putting like a phone number on there, uh, the phone number that shows on the site would dynamically just instantly generate uh, so that depending on the type of marketing, where that, what ad someone clicked on, where they came from, they would see a certain phone number and then you would be able to run reporting to say, okay, they clicked on this ad because that is tied to that number. 
Oh my gosh, that is so smart. That is so smart. And it's, there's so many cool things like that that you can do and integrate it because, you know, I mean, as you know, you know, with marketing, I mean, there, there there's so many, so many times that like, say like, you know, there, someone has like a Facebook campaign or Google campaign or whatever it is, but what do you do if someone clicks on an ad, but then they go to the website and they call in? you know, and how do you know that it came from that ad because they called and ordered, you know, so being able to tie that in or even, uh, right in, uh, in, uh, Google, you know, having like the Google, the phone number that shows up, you know, be a unique phone number and it could be unique for, uh, you know, the tied to a specific ad or platform or whatever criteria you want, or if it's like a higher dollar service, like, uh, with real estate, you might want a, a, a dedicated phone number for every single lead because you can get them for, you might pay us 50 cents for the phone number monthly. <clears throat> you know, they all route wherever you want, but you know, you're just using it for tracking. And then another example of a really cool use case is, uh, you know, I don't know if you ever looked for like, say like a service business, like a, a plumber or something online and you see, there are some sites that they have a local phone number on it. So you think, okay, I like this lo- local. I need my sink fixed fast. I'm going to call them. And they may have, sir, it may just be a call center that will dispatch someone, but uh, they uh, have like unique phone numbers for each city. So like basically we, that's another thing is like geo numbers. So like you can, put code on your website and basically have the phone number be a local phone number based on the visitor's location and it all routes to the same place. So wow. excited about doing that. Uh, beyond that, uh, I do a lot of consulting uh, with both with small businesses and with uh, like M&A, venture funds, uh, things like that. Um, you know, and uh, as part of the consulting company, we really look at the whole business, you know, and the company's called Profit Layer um, because I feel that businesses have many different layers, you know, and all of those layers are important, you know, for the business to be successful. Uh, So, and even within each of those layers, like you may have like your marketing layer, your operations, your fulfillment, all of those, those all have to be working, but then within each, there are more layers and, you know, it's almost infinite. So like within the marketing one, you know, there are different types of marketing. You know, there's paid ads, there's Facebook, there's Google, there's YouTube ads, there's uh, going on podcasts, there's, uh, you know, like putting out content, you know, there's uh, general business development, you know, there's sales calls, there's so many things that you can do. But the key is if you can do all of those things congruently, you know, and figure out what the best layer of things is to combine, you can really drive growth and hit, uh, you know, generate more profit for the company. So basically under the consulting company, um, I started running into people that were, some people were coming to us saying, I just want to grow, I need marketing. And, you know, I, I had learned marketing, basically building my own companies. You know, I hadn't used an agency or anything before. I had always just managed it, uh, spent millions of dollars on AdWords, you know, in particular back then. So it was kind of a, 
thing, but I, that there was such a need because we saw a lot of stuff. I mean, I know you're in the, the, the agency business. And so you probably see a lot of this too, but we just saw a lot of mismanaged accounts and where people were wasting a lot of money, but they didn't know what to even check to see if they were wasting money because they just assumed that the agency they were working with would manage it well. So uh, I ended up acquiring an agency to basically build that out as a division of profit layer and uh, have like, you know, a team of great media buyers. We're multi-platform, uh, we do programmatic, native uh, placements. Uh, we do uh, YouTube, Google, Twitter. I mean, we do a little bit of everything and it doesn't mean that every customer gets everything though. It's kind of like, there's that consultative approach. Like, let's see based on your business, your product or service, what your goals are, what are the best things to do and combine. And the metric that we're focused on is, are you making profit? Are you making money? You know, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how cheap your leads are or, you know, all those numbers that are kind of like vanity metrics, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you have to look at the big picture. So we take a consultative approach, look at the big picture to help make sure that we're doing the right thing so that people make more money. So like with uh, a good example of that is like, a lot of people would think, uh, you know, think that that's obvious, but when you're an ad agency, you're typically judged on your metrics, you know? So it's kind of like, what are the costs, costs per click, cost per acquisition and all of that. And we do things like general business development kind of stuff. So we may set up like uh, a joint venture or a partnership deal with uh, someone completely unrelated that happens to have an e a big email list of their clients that we'll send out an email to promote our client's product or we'll help them get PR and, uh, you know, get uh, media attention. A lot of agencies don't do that if that's not their core business because it's not going to show up as a metric, you know? And so we're kind of taking the approach of like our, our metric is, are you making more money? You know, how, because all of that, you know, can kind of influence, you know, things. So we work with some great clients like the Harvecker Group, Jay Abraham, uh, you know, a lot of people in the personal development space, but also others in, uh, you know, everything from finance to realtors, uh, fertility, mental health, uh, farm accounting software. Uh, we got a little bit of everything. So That is so cool. I love it. Well, and it sounds like you really like tailor your packages to meet the customer's needs. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I love that approach. And there was something you said when you were talking about your, your, the new products that you have coming out this year. And I just, I want to reiterate, like as, as a Facebook advertising agency owner, the big, the name of the game is attribution, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's proper tracking and attribution. And so the fact that you're creating a solution where people can associate a call on a website back to an ad, which is, that was the connection that I made. Yep. I think, I think that was what you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. um, guys, like that is like, that is so big and such a solution that really changes the game because 
uh, math is really the success to a business. And so unless you have the proper math and understanding how a customer comes in and how many contacts it's going to take to turn into a sale so that you can make money and what all your costs are associated with that. It's really difficult to make business decisions. So Timothy is creating, uh, it sounds like a suite of capability to allow you to get the right math in your yeah, business. Because especially when you, we really see a lot of times where people may need to see a Facebook ad and then they might Google you and then they may see a YouTube video and they get retargeting and, then they read about you in a magazine and th they may not purchase anything until all of that happens. So mm -hmm. how do you tie all of that together and be able to accurately know that even though all that worked together, if they hadn't clicked that first Facebook ad, they would have never gotten to any of the other steps. Yeah. So, so smart. So smart. Oh man. I could talk to you about that and dig into that for hours yeah. and hours. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So what are you doing currently to market your business? Right now we are uh, pretty much all referrals word of mouth. Um, Cause we, we actually turn away more clients than we take right now. Uh, you know, our biggest criteria is just that we're really good at uh, scaling uh stuff so you know we work with a lot of people that maybe they they have something that's selling it's just not selling as much as they want or uh you know they they need to scale up and you know we have uh experience managing you know six figure a month ad budgets so we work with anyone that uh has something that's selling you know that uh some clients have budgets you know as low as like five thousand dollars a month and you know some have a couple hundred thousand and then we have a few that are kind of like as long as you're making profit and you're hitting these numbers it's unlimited <laughs> you know and some of them it really is you know so like you know we have course creators that you know they're we're they're selling you know hundreds of thousands of dollars a month for their courses and even with the pandemic you know that we've been going through online services and businesses that were already online or ones that can pivot and go online um you know they're still seeing growth that's amazing i love it oh it's so cool yeah I, it has been fascinating to see how um the online world has shifted with with the pandemic and everything like that okay so um how can people get a hold of you follow your journey find out sure. more about what you do. How do people do that? Yeah. So, uh, people can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, any social media platform, really, uh, Timothy Dick, uh, D I C K. Um, they can also, uh, look for profit layer, profit layer, L A Y E R. Um, so profitlayer.com, uh, profit layer on social media or, uh, the profit layer podcast. Um, so all of those are available and, um, uh, yeah, just for anyone, you know, I, I love business. I love the game of business. And so anyone that, uh, you know, wants to connect, you know, uh, feel free to reach out to me on social media and, uh, you know, we can go from there.
I love it. All right, guys. Well, this is Timothy Dick, the man, the legend, the entrepreneur. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your story and letting us dig into the details and sharing so much about your business and the impact that you're making on the world. It has been a pleasure having you on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, I know that uh, we, uh, we're, we're running out of, out of time here, but, uh, you know, I think we could, we could talk all day about this stuff. So really, I think it. we should, we should, we should schedule that for sure. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Okay, cool. So, um, thank you so much. Okay. So we, sure. we got through the, the, the bigger piece of content, which is great. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, I seriously, I had to hold back. There were like so many questions that I like wanted to, to talk. Yeah. About. I mean, we'll if, again, you, sure. if you want to like, I don't know how long the second part takes, but I mean, if you want to just keep going a little bit longer, I'm fine with that. Or we can just schedule something to do it. Cool. Another I'm yeah, completely well, open with that. Yeah, I would actually, if you're open to it. So, and it looks like mm-hmm. we have lunch right after this. Um, so this, this second portion, it takes about 10 minutes total. So we might even be able to get it done before they break for lunch. But um, if you wouldn't mind taking like 10 more minutes with me, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I do know that um, I am going to have to hop out a little bit for another call uh during that but um more than likely i mean we can get 10 minutes in somewhere okay so. sweet all right yeah. let's and do if it. not so, worst case if we just private message me or whatever and worst case if not uh happy to hop back on and uh schedule something anytime okay awesome so let me describe this this next piece really quick and then mm-hmm. we'll we'll for sure schedule a time where we can like really really chat sure. um Okay, so this short one, I ask one question. I ask what small marketing strategy or tactic has made the biggest difference in your business and why, okay? So I'm gonna start the episode all over again, reread your intro. I would love for you to give a 30 to 60 second elevator pitch version of your background. And then I'm gonna ask you that question. You're gonna take five to seven minutes to answer that and then it, and then we're good to go. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, let's rock and roll. You ready? Yep. Okay. Welcome to the Marketing Matrix Podcast. I'm your host, Lisanne Murphy, and I am joined today by the incredible, talented, and new friend of mine, which I am pleased to bring him on the show today, Mr. Timothy Dick. Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been great getting to know getting to know you a little bit and uh, getting uh, to uh, talk about some really uh, fun stuff and... Uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me. Oh, it has been an absolute pleasure, guys. You have to dive into his deep dive episode on Wednesday. This guy is a serial entrepreneur, and he's been doing it since he was a young kid, which he's going to talk about a lot more in his long episode, but I'm sure he'll touch on today. So I want to introduce this incredible entrepreneur and then give him the floor because he has plenty of golden nuggets to share. So Tim has a vast background in SaaS and was one of the first executives at HostGator in its early days. HostGator grew to host millions of websites with hundreds of employees before Tim focused his, uh, transitioned his focus into on Voipo. He's also an active angel investor and consults for multiple investment firms on M&A, startups, and strategy. He was born and raised in West Virginia and is the son of a coal miner and is a first-generation entrepreneur. He's passionate about small business, resourcefulness, marketing, and personal development. So, and again, guys, that is just the beginning of the wealth of awesomeness that Tim is. So again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. 
All right. So for those of you that aren't as familiar with Tim, I want, Tim, if you could give like just a quick background, a teaser, if people can go into the long episode and really hear the full story. Um, but how did you become this serial entrepreneur that has been involved in just huge, huge companies? Yeah. So it's been, it's been a journey really um, all self-taught and just always looking to learn and get to the next level. Uh, started uh, when I was in middle school. I've made six figures every year since middle school and uh, went on to, uh, you know, do quite a bit, you know, in SaaS and web hosting. And uh, now I deal a lot with consulting and uh, quite a few other things. So that's amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got one question for you today, Tim, and I think our room is going to cut us out, but we'll see how far we yeah. get. So my question for you is this, what small marketing strategy or tactic has made the biggest difference in your business and why? So one of the biggest things is uh, really being consultative and preeminent, uh, you know, and that's something that I learned from Jay Abraham, uh, the concept of preeminence, uh, you know, and that's really basically being very, consultative and proactive and really getting to know your client, what they need, what their goals are, and realizing that there is no one size fits all solution. And uh, just because, you know, a certain tactic works well for one business doesn't mean that that's the best thing for everybody. So uh, you want to be preeminent and let people know what all of their options are that you recommend and it's almost like getting a prescription. You know, you go to the doctor, you get diagnosed, they give you a prescription. You know, you don't go in and say, you know, hey, I have this problem, I want this medicine. I love it. Well, Tim, that is so exciting and I'm super excited to have our listeners understand that more. Guys, catch him more on our long episode. Thanks again for being on the show, Absolutely. Tim. Thanks so much for joining us for this bonus episode of the Marketing Matrix podcast. Next week, we'll return to our regular schedule of episodes. In the meantime, we always want to continue the conversation with you about marketing that we're having on the podcast over in our Facebook group. Remember, guys, the group is called Facebook Ads for Coaches, Course Creators, and Lifestyle Ecom Brands. You can join us at facebook.com slash groups slash FB Ad Ninja. That's FB as in Facebook, Ad as in Advertising, and Ninja as in Ninja. Guys, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast to catch all the gold coming at you every single week. All right, see you next week.